Foster Care Nation. Listen up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Terminator. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Patreon member and joining us here at Foster Care Nation with On Our Mission. Thank you so much. If you'd like to join Holly, you can do so over at patreon.com slash fostercarenation. When our son found out about Holly, he had this to say. I thank you guys so cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Hello and welcome back to Foster Care, an Unparalleled Journey with Jason and Amanda. Today, our guest is Ashley Wayne. Ashley has been featured on the Revive, Real Talk, and the Adverse Effect podcast. Her writing can be found on Scary Mommy, The Mighty, Filter Free Parents, Her View from Home, and For Every Mom. Ashley and her husband have adopted two blind children from Bulgaria. Yeah, I'll say that eventually (laughs) from Bulgaria. And they have been recently blessed with a biological child just five months ago. Ashley was also a case manager at a homeless shelter and at a group home for foster children. She's taught adaptive technologies to kids with special needs and was a director at a camp for both blind and sighted children. You can find her on Facebook at facebook.com slash a blind view or on her blog at life-the-braille-edition.blogspot.com. That's Life the Braille Edition with a lot of dashes in the middle. (laughs) We're excited to talk to you today, Ashley. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, it's it's our joy to talk to you today. Okay, I I found you on a uh, forum and looked at at what you had up there and went, yeah, this is wild. I've never heard anybody with this story. So you decided to adopt children being a blind mother. And I can only imagine with the challenges we found that you have some extra challenges there. And then on top of that, you adopted international kids who are also blind as well. Um, you must really like challenges. <laughs> um, you, you, I suppose you would think that. Um, <laughs> I can't say that I like them, but uh, I, think, I think in a lot of situations it just needs to be done. Uh, regardless of how I might feel at the moment, but uh, yeah, I, I, your remark about you know you have a very interesting story, or I've never heard that story before. I get that a lot. <laughs> I bet. Um, that's so. Yeah, we um, we had wanted to adopt for a long time. Um, my husband had a lot of members of his family that had adopted, and I had worked in the foster care system. Uh, before getting married, had my uh, master's in social work. So I did some work in that setting and it was just really on both our hearts. But for a long time, we just weren't 
in the best situation. We didn't really have enough of an income. We weren't living in the greatest neighborhoods. <laughs> we didn't really have enough space in the apartments that we were. Um, and then about seven years ago now, um, we were finally in a situation where we just looked around one day and suddenly realized, hey, we have no more uh, reasons not to adopt, no more excuses. Um, because we had been married for uh, close to <clears throat> close to five years, um, actually six with no children. And so um, it had gotten really easy to just sort of be in our own like happy um, married, no children bubble. <laughs> um, and so it was a bit uh, difficult to kind of get out of that. And okay, we're going to actually start this thing that we've talked about for so long. Um, and uh, yeah, so we kind of started that long um, process of, trying to figure out how we were going to adopt and what that would even look like. And, and yeah, I was very nervous about the idea of having kids as a blind mom. Um, I've done a lot of things without sight that probably a lot of people would think were kind of crazy. I've gone actual rock climbing, like with the ropes and the rappelling down and all that ridiculous stuff. Um, whitewater rafting. Now, disclaimer, I was 18 and 19 then. I'm, I'm 37 now. I probably wouldn't be so eager to do that kind of a thing now. Um, but yeah, I'm they, not so eager to do that either. And I am excited. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. You're not afraid of a challenge, it sounds like. No, but parenting really scared me. It really did. Um, I wasn't sure how it was going to work. Um I knew it, it could work and it would have to work. I mean, once the kids were in our home, it wasn't as if I, you know, could just, Oh, this isn't working. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry guys. I knew I had to figure it out, but um, I really had no earthly idea what that would look like. I don't think most of us did when we first got into parenting. That's very fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I could see that being some extra levels of challenges there that could really make you a little bit nervous and apprehensive looking at the looking at it from your perspective. So what about you and your husband's journey with adoption has been one of the more surprising things for you guys? We had dinner with some really good friends and they asked us, you know, why have, have you guys considered um overseas adoption, particularly special needs and, and even more narrowly focused blindness. And as soon as they said it, it was sort of, you know, the cliche of the light bulb, you know, moment. Uh, it was just like, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, with my blindness, it really seems like I would be uh, much more equipped and prepared to raise blind children. And so we started looking into that. And I think the, for me, the most surprising fact was that uh, we had a really hard time finding um, a country program that would work with us in our situation. Um, there are a lot of countries, <clears throat> for example, uh, China, that there are a lot of uh, blind children uh, there, but our income was too low um, for, for them. And so we were kind of eliminated either uh, through um, lack of what would be considered by the country to be an appropriate uh, income level, or ironically enough, some countries can saw, saw my blindness as a barrier to successful parenting. Um, so it, when we found um, the agency that we ended up working with, 
we had gone through their whole list of countries and been kind of ruled out except for Bulgaria and Bulgaria was a very new program for them. So they weren't even sure if we were going to be accepted by them. So uh, as far as the most surprising element, I would, I would say it was that just the, how difficult it was to find a country um, that would work with us. I know that you say that the kids are from Bulgaria and to be honest, before we started talking today, I did go to Google and have to look up where Bulgaria was. I knew it was over there in Eastern Europe somewhere because That's I read about it. all I knew as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so culturally speaking, I mean, has, has that been uh, an issue that you guys have had to work around with the kids coming from a complete different country and uh, being started in a different culture? Uh, not, not to the extent that I think it would have been if they were significantly older. Um, our daughter, Lexi, who came home first, um, was two and a half when she came home and she was barely, um, you know, babbling in Bulgarian. So, uh, learning English for her came pretty quickly, um, and she doesn't remember any of her time there. We'll talk to her about it, kind of what we saw when we visited her and what her foster family was like and what kind of food she she ate and, you know, the little um, playgrounds that we took her to when we were visiting. And, you know, we talked to her about what it was like and what the city looked like and things like that. But she um, has no memories of it. And right now um, is not exceedingly interested in uh you know knowing a ton about bulgaria um she like sometimes will play like um bulgarian music or you know talk to her about the foods that we ate there and try and uh you know find the only problem is things like gelato like americans we don't do gelato like they do in europe <laughs> so we can't we we can't even really take her to oh this is authentic you know uh <clears throat> Bulgarian food and where we're living there just isn't uh, <clears throat> a Bulgarian community we had looked um, for our son it's a little bit different um, John was eight when he came home he's 11 now he remembers um, some a lot of uh, kind of sporadic um, Bulgarian words um, <clears throat> and uh, he has a lot uh, more memories of his time. Um, but they both, at least for now, have really um, just um, are part of, you know, consider themselves part of our family and don't ask a lot of questions yet. Um, but I'm, I'm suspecting that that will change in the years to, you know, years ahead. Um I'd honestly love to take them back over there and they can kind of see the cities where they were from. I think that would be a really awesome thing to be able to do in the future. That would be a really neat trip. <laughs> well, assuming if, you know, air travel and everything opens up again. Well, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that we have found with our children, you know, as they get older, they do have questions, mm -hmm. a lot more questions. And I think that we owe it to them to try to, figure out as many answers as we can. I I agree. Um, it's, it's hard with international adoptions though, because there is just 
we have so little information on their on their parents on their biological parents and um you know my husband luke and i've talked about that a lot like trying to figure out if there's even any way that we could get information for them when they ask you know um but often the files for international adoptions are just so um very little information (laughs) in them yeah i mean even over here in the states um Mm -hmm. with some of our children you know, it, it's hard here too. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of kiddos that are like, I want to see a newborn picture. And I'm like, I'm not certain how I'm going to find that or get a hold of that. Yeah. You mentioned something about f- having a hard time finding a country that would accept you as a potential placement with your blindness. But it sounds to me like your blindness has kind of become a, your superpower. It's it's a little ironic. Yeah. That that's, that's the case. So when we, um, first uh, signed up with with the agency that we adopted Lexi through and they said okay you know we have this Bulgaria program but it's new we'll see if they'll work with you you should hear with us hear from us within a month and so we just okay we're just gonna have to wait and we'll see what happens well the next day <laughs> I got a call back and the the caseworker had uh, given our information to uh, the contacts over there and they had uh, gotten back with her pretty quickly and uh, we're like, Oh, so yeah, you're calling because this family that you, you've, you've mentioned, they want to adopt Lexi, right? The caseworker, you know, over here in the States, who's Lexi? Oh, I just had sent you an email recently about a little girl in one of our orphanages. who's totally blind. We think this family would be a great fit. So, yeah, from having gone from, okay, wait with a month to hear if you're even accepted to, okay, we think we have a potential, like a a match, a child right away was pretty crazy and a real miracle. Um, And so, yeah, we we started that process and um, it was long and expensive and so many papers and words that I had no idea what they meant, like apostoling. apparently it's another form. it's like a you know you get a document notarized and the notary is verifying your signature if you get a document apostled it's that person is verifying the notary's signature <laughs> now who, who verifies the apostle or signature i don't know uh i don't know where the chain would ever end but um <laughs> yeah so that was it was a long crazy process um but it, in regards to the blindness um, when she came home, I had this sort of, it doesn't every first time parent, right? Had this beautiful picture of, I'm going to be able to teach her Braille and how to use a cane. And it's going to be so great. And we're going to bond so well over these things. And that those two cane travel and Braille have been the hardest things <laughs> for me to teach her. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just learning from her mother or what, but um, my my beautiful picture of you know the uh, bonding over Braille has not gone as well as I had hoped, but <laughs> but she is learning. We are getting there. <laughs> well, Amanda and I can definitely feel you there. Um, our children are not blind, and the um, a level of connection that we are gaining while trying to teach our youngest how to how to read regular words on paper has been <laughs> just as challenging, I would say. 
he is not happy about sitting down and doing schoolwork since we're all in the middle of this, you know, we're in the middle of the COVID pandemic. And, and so we have this whole, uh, virtual schooling thing going on, which mm-hmm. we've been homeschoolers in the past. So we weren't really afraid of this, but this particular boy is just, he is not wanting to learn. And I kind of get it. I mean, he's five. I don't blame him, but when we sit and try and learn, it's, it's a real challenge to find ways to teach those things. Now, we're teaching a typical kid how to, well, typical is a subjective term here, but a typical kid how to, how to read writing on paper. I could only imagine that there has to be some real challenges there. Because if you handed me a child who was blind and asked me to teach them how to use a cane or how to use Braille, I, I'm certain I would be completely lost. What's that journey been like for you? Oh, it's been, <clears throat> it's been slow. Um you know, again, I sort of had this picture that she would just take to it and be excited because, well, mommy's doing it. And so I can learn to do this, too. And, you know, being blind, using a cane and Braille, it's not it's not that different or weird. You know, I can do this. And um, she actually prefers. So we had I had never learned um, the print letters. I had only learned Braille and I wanted her to also learn the the raised you know embossed print like you'll see on signs right or elevators um things like that and so i taught that to her first and then we we moved to braille and many 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 times over the last uh couple years that we've been working on trying to read um braille uh fluently she's much better now than she was seven so you know there's still time but uh you know, she would often just be like, why can't I just read the print letters? It's so much easier. <laughs> like, because they don't make books that way. <laughs> they don't make books in raised embossed print. Um, so it's been a slow journey. And, um, you know, I really had to just uh, not worry so much about where I think she should be at her age and just, you know, work with her at her own pace. I think, you know, she's expressed that she's had a harder time feeling the Braille dots. They're much smaller than even the small, even the smallest um, embossed print that we've worked with. You know, Braille is significantly smaller and um, it's been difficult, you know, training her fingers to, to recognize those, but we're getting there just with practice and, um, you know, uh, rewarding her with, with um, pennies has worked. (laughs) When she successfully reads the page, you know, <laughs> she gets the money that she can save up to do whatever with. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's worked. Um, cane travel, again, kind of the same story. You know, we're, we're getting there. Um, you know, like most kids who would, I think, if they had a stick, you know, working on the impulses. Okay, you don't just swing it around over your head. That's that's not what it's for. Uh, you know, you don't just drag it on the ground. There's a technique to it um, so that you can actually see where you're going and not fall off curbs or run into signs or walls. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're getting there. It's, it's a long process like anything else, like anything teaching a child, but I think it'll happen. Well, having a lot of boys in our house, I am terrified of the idea of them having a cane because sight or not, I I, I could see them putting on blindfolds <laughs> to sword fight with that just for fun. I was going to say somebody's going down. 
<laughs> yeah, our son, who also has cerebral palsy, uh, doesn't have a cane yet. We're really trying to work with him on just balance and coordination issues before we add in uh, the use of a, of a cane. Uh, but I hope that he'll get there. I see. I see. So, so he's struggling with cerebral palsy as well. Yeah. So, um, and that was, um, you know, so our son, so after daughter came home, we were kind of figuring that out and, you know, figuring out how to be a parent. And then some really awesome friends of ours, um, who had also adopted from Bulgaria, um, sent us, uh, John's profile and, I don't know. We just felt like we, we couldn't leave him there. He was older and had was blind and had cerebral palsy. And um, it just didn't seem likely that, that he would um, be adopted out. And that's not to paint us as, you know, the amazing uh, heroes. And I mean, it's been, you know, but we just felt like, okay, we can at least try and see if um, we had adopted Lexi so recently that we weren't even sure if we could, um, pursue another adoption that quickly. Um, but everyone, you know, worked with us and he came home about a year and a half, uh, closer to two years later. And, uh, he wasn't walking, um, you know, had pretty much no, um, mobility, um, did not use his left hand, left side of his body. Um, he's been home for three years now and he's, you know, walking, you know, he can walk and he can climb the stairs and he can play piano with, you know, both hands, obviously. Um, He has a real talent for music. Um, We have a lot of work to do as far as the, the physical um, coordination and balance and all of that. But I think that will come, but yeah, we were not expecting the cerebral palsy. Um, And so that was kind of a big, uh, you know, obstacle. Okay. How are we going to make this work? Um, and so far it's, you know, I feel like God has just been very gracious to our family and he's, he's, um, you know, John has really come, uh, honestly a lot farther than I would have thought in such a short time. I mean, three years, there are many days when, you know, three years, the the days feel, exceptionally long (laughs) but taken as a whole um three years is not a massive amount of time to um compensate for eight years of multiple orphanages and very little if any education to speak of and extreme isolation um when we visited him pretty much all he ever was doing was sitting on a couch like with a radio or in front of a tv um so yeah it was that was rough in that regard. So I take it they don't have any biological connections? Uh, no, no. They were from different cities and, you know, kind of different regions of the country. And actually, uh, she is ethnic Bulgarian and he is Roma, uh, which were which are people that came to Eastern Europe um, from Asia. And uh, they were they're also just commonly referred to over there as gypsies. And um, they just are really not liked by most uh, ethnic um, Eastern Europeans. And actually, they were one of the groups that was targeted during uh, the Nazi regime as well. Um, And so 
for the two of them to be siblings is um, just just really awesome and really special. Yeah, I know I've heard quite a bit in the news recently about the uh, struggles that some of the Roma people have had over there during the you know some of the refugee situations and people traveling and and trying to move from one country to another. So that's that's amazing that you guys were able to help a kid who had that many things going against him and provide him a, a home here, uh, especially not knowing about the cerebral palsy ahead of time. What has that challenge been like for you and Luke? To clarify, and I, I may have, if I misspoke, I, I apologize. We We did know about it in that we just knew he had it, but we had no real solid, helpful information as to how severe it was. Um, So when we went to visit him is when we were able to really see for the first time, you know, kind of where he was at Um, that, you know, thankfully he could stand uh, with, with help. And so that was, you know, we weren't sure we went over there. Like, is he going to be in a wheelchair? Um, And if so, how, you know, what, how uh, would I be able to do that? Um, You know, as a blind person, like maneuver with wheelchair and all that. Um, but we were committed, you know, we had committed to adopting him and we weren't going to, um, you know, abandon him. Um, again, thankfully, you know, we went over there for the first visit and realized, okay, he can stand on his own. If, you know, you're helping him holding his hands. Okay. We can, we can make this work. Um, When we got him home, you know, we did immediately start physical therapy and things like that and just work with, work with him around the house. Um, and actually his, you know, the extended family, the, the grandparents and aunts and uncles, and most of them are back in Florida. We live in Utah right now, but uh, we would visit as often as we could. And I think just that, um, that family and the constant you know, praise and encouragement um, from them really has helped John with, especially with walking. Uh, I remember we're trying to work with him to take those first tentative, you know, understandably very scared steps. And I can only imagine, you know, having never supported your own weight on your feet for eight years and kind of always being told whether implicitly or explicitly that you can't, that, you know, that it's, it just isn't doable for you. Um, he was so scared to do it and we you know, working with him and working with him. And we were visiting, uh, my, my in-laws at the time back in Florida and they have a, a musical doorbell, like a doorbell that basically has little tunes to it, you know, instead yeah. of just the ring. And he loved that doorbell. And so we were, okay, if you can, if you can walk, you know, from, this chair, uh, it's at the you know, beginning of the living room and take, um, you know, I don't remember what it was now, but this many steps, then we'll ring the doorbell for you. And we just kept extending it and extending it. And then if you can walk all the way to the door, you can ring the doorbell yourself. And, you know, it was little things like that. Um, just really, I think motivated and encouraged him. And, you know, now he's, he's walking much better than, than I think I would have if I had never walked in eight years <laughs> as a kid and were suddenly asked to do such a thing. So yeah, he's, he's a, he's an encouragement and, a, and an inspiration to me every day. It sounds like it. it really sounds like it. So now do you have a good community of people around you who've, who have met a lot of those challenges in their life, whether it be the cerebral palsy or the blindness 
to be able to to help you guys out or are you guys doing this on your own um i mean i have friends who are blind um i have some some, i know a couple people who are um blind um parents um, but they don't live near us and you know so sometimes it's just through like facebook you're just kind of chatting that way um and as far as cerebral palsy, uh, I have the, the family that um, were, were the ones who sent us John's profile to begin with. They have adopted um, four boys from Bulgaria who all have special needs of varying kinds. So if you ever wanted to, uh, <laughs> it would be another amazing story. <laughs> um, if you ever need another guest. But uh, they they have a lot of experience with cerebral palsy Um and, you know, in their situation. And so they've been a huge help to us, you know, recommending resources and suggesting things. And, uh, but a lot of it, yeah, I guess, you know, in a sense, we've done it on our own in that, and that's not to say that we don't research things and talk to people, but um, a lot of it is uh, just, you know, being there for him and being his family and encouraging him and, and kind of, working with him on skills and you can, you can tell pretty quickly, okay, this approach isn't working. This, um, this method of trying to teach this skill isn't working. So we'll, you know, kind of back off and regroup and try something else, you know, until we can figure out what, what does work. Um, yeah. So it's, I guess it's sort of been a little bit of a mixture of both. Um, you know, I think, uh, and we have an amazing, um, you know, church family that that is just so helpful and um you know has been instrumental in just kind of helping us um you know raise these kids and so I'm definitely grateful for that well you're not the first person who has talked about their church family being a big part of it was your faith a big part of your journey into adoption was was that a part of that journey or was that kind of something that you and Luke came to on your own it, it, no, it, it really was uh, a part of that. Um, in a way, adoption is uh, is a good representation, you know, kind of of um, you know what we believe as Christians. Um, you know that we were adopted into um, the family of God through Christ and His sacrifice on the cross. So, really, adoption um, for us, you know, is a way to um, live out that faith, um, and to, you know, try and be, um, as incomplete and as imperfect (laughs) as we are, but to try and be a a picture, um, of the incredible love that, that God has shown us through Christ. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge, um, huge part of that journey. Um, absolutely. Wait, you guys are imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) That that's one of the things that that always makes me crazy when I talk to people who talk about well I could never do that I couldn't this and for this you know and everybody has their handful of reasons but we all have the ability to to do something inside of our imperfection and that's one of the lessons that took me a while to to learn was being comfortable being perfectly imperfect yeah I haven't known anybody yet to walk into this journey knowing what to do <laughs> exactly. And I can only imagine walking into the, you guys' journey had to be a real challenge. Granted, we have our fair share of challenges. We, we have kids who have been through some pretty difficult things, who have experienced more than, than most people could even fathom. But 
my goodness, the idea of, of what you guys are doing, it's incredibly inspiring to hear that you guys have stepped into this and done it without any real knowledge of where you were going or anybody to hold your hand and lead you through the parts and pieces. But to, to do that so willingly then provides so much to build your family. Well, like you said, I mean, every, any parent, you know, there's not a manual <laughs> that comes with the baby or the kid as much as nice as that would be. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I've kind of, it's, it's been a slow process to realize that it is okay to, um, you know, to realize, okay, this isn't working. Let's try something else. And, um, you know, and it, it, when you, when I do talk to other parents of blind kids or otherwise, you know, it's, it's just interesting that so many, we, you know, we really do have so many of the same questions. Like, you know, did I make the right decision about, you know, something as simple as, um, you know, what I'm feeding my baby to, you know, uh, am I teaching this subject in, in school the right way? Or should my kid go to this or that school? Or, you know, it's, it's just always so many questions. And, um, but, you know, you, you do the best you can with the resources and, and tools that you have. And, and uh, it works. <laughs> By God's grace, it all works. Well, that's, that's what we all love to hope. You know, I'll give you this little piece of encouragement. Uh, our youngest is five. Yes, he's five right now. Sorry, they change every year. I have to work to remember. But our oldest son right now is 22. And we made all the mistakes you could make. We, we came out of the gate just swinging for the fences on the mistake front. And he's turned out pretty good. <laughs> As you guys have, have walked through this journey, how has that affected your marriage? No, that's a really good question. Um, and I think it's, I think that's a point that um, anyone, whether, you know, you're um, having your first biological child or whether you, you know, are adopting for the first time or you're considering foster care or whatever the situation, I think it's easy to kind of forget about your marriage <laughs> Uh, in the first months and years of, of all of that, because um, so much changes and so much is suddenly expected of you. Um, you know, you're suddenly um, tasked with caring for this person who needs you, you know, essentially 24 hours a day, really, um, especially if you're, you know, a very young child or a baby infant. And, uh, you know, there, there was kind of a point where, um, a while in, um, my husband and I just kind of realized that we had were felt like roommates that were just caring for children. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we really had to kind of step back and just remember, okay, it's our kids need to see a strong marriage. You know, our kids need to see, um, what, uh, a strong marriage looks like as they grow up. And, um, so just even just the simple things of making time at the end of a day, um, for each other, um, you know, for us, that looks like, you know, <laughs> sitting on the porch with, you know, soda or whatever, and just talking about our day or, um, you know, something simple like that or going for a walk, um, you know, in the evening and just making that time to still remember, um, each other and to, to take, put the work into keeping, um, the marriage, uh, healthy and, and the forefront. Um, cause it was so easy to just kind of forget and you kind of think, well, 
we'll deal with that later when things are calmed down and we know a bit more what we're doing, but that's never really going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it never really does happen. And we, we find that challenge too, making time for date night and time for each other when you have a lot of kids and you're working in a virtual school, it's so easy to get caught up in the day to day, but you're very much so right. You know, we owe it to our children to show them what a healthy marriage looks like and how to take care of your partner. Exactly. That's a really good way to put it. I like that. (laughs) Take care of your partner. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm hoping maybe we might, we might be able to squeeze in a date night tonight for an hour or something. We'll see. (laughs) Awesome. I hope you guys can. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the other. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I think it really just depends on whether or not the kids decide to to cooperate with us tonight or not. <laughs> oh, I hope they do. It's amazing how five year old decisions affect grown up stuff so much. <laughs> yeah. How opinionated a little person can be. Oh yes, ma'am. <laughs> We've got a few of them. Side note, I mean, I had no idea. So we have a third child who's, you know, baby, um, very unexpected, but awesome surprise. But I had just no idea. I mean, it's six months how opinionated a baby could be and how strong they are. Just, you know, there's a side note, like go to, you know, change their diaper or change their clothes or whatever. It's like, how are you like, (laughs) how are you holding on to that so tightly? Like, (laughs) it's a good thing babies are cute. I may have said that when our first kids became, or when our older kids first got into the teenage years, it took me a little bit to figure that out. So how has, you know, having a, your own biological child been different, especially because the, uh, your baby, I don't, I don't know the baby's name. No, I'm sorry. I don't believe I ever said it. I thought William. (laughs) Okay. How has raising William been different than, than your adopted children? It's been the biggest difference so far has just been the infant stage. Um, you know, when, when Lexi came home, she was sort of in this odd combination of toddler and infant in the sense that she wasn't walking yet. She wasn't potty trained. Um, you know, she couldn't feed herself, um, but she could talk a little bit. And so, (laughs) and so, um, you know, that was kind of a bizarre stage, but she very quickly, um, past that and was, you know, walking and feeding herself very, very soon afterwards. Um, and so it's, it's, it's been different in having an actual infant and having to learn all the infant tasks without sight. Like, all right, how do I, you know, feed, um, how do I bottle feed, uh, appro- you know, correctly? How do I, Um, you know, change the diapers, like, you know, doing it all by touch is, um, you know, interesting. Um, how do I bathe, uh, a baby, um, you know, and just, just know all the, you know, questions like, oh, he's, you know, um, hasn't eaten much today. Is that normal? Like, oh, he hasn't, you know, gone to, you know, hasn't, (laughs) hasn't pooped in three days. Is that okay? Like, (laughs) you know, just. (laughs) all these questions um, that you assume if you have three kids, you've already been through that, but you know, we really hadn't. So having an infant just navigating raising an infant is so different, Um, you know, but it's, it really has been awesome in that 
seeing him, um, you know, pick up a rattle or toy for the first time, seeing him roll for the first time or laugh or smile. It's amazing. And it's, it's awesome. But even that even more um, cements for me, like my, you know, kind of desire to to talk about and advocate for adoption. Cause I keep thinking about, you know, John and Lexi that probably nobody was really there to see those firsts for them. You know, those things that we just take for granted, like, Oh, the baby laughed for the first time. It's such an awesome moment, you know, but you know, for, for uh, you know, my older two kids and, and I would imagine probably for, you know, a lot of yours, uh, you know, that they're probably what weren't, it wasn't that happy excitement over the first laugh or the first roll or the first smile. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of further cemented my um, this advocacy for adoption and just the realization of how important it really is. Well, I imagine it's got to be a, a whole new world understanding what first are like because I, I laugh because Amanda can verify my lack of knowledge of the importance of firsts when I took um our daughter to the to the beauty shop and had her hair cut because it needed to be done it needed to be trimmed and nobody ever told me that you're not supposed to take your daughter for her first haircut before you talk to mom about it yeah, I was at work I was not so pleased <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was doing something good. I was trying to get a task out of the way so she didn't have to do it. Little did I know that that matters. <laughs> it definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but those first are, are something that, that you really can't get back for those kids. They're with you, and you'll have plenty of firsts from there going forward. Exactly. But, uh, do you think that's something that, that affects your relationship with them, you know, not having all of those, those first stories for them? I think possibly as they get older, it will. Um, although honestly, it, it will probably be more of a sadness for, for me um, than for them. I mean, of course I can't speak to how they're going to feel in their teen years, uh, you know, but um, I think uh, that that may be kind of a, a harder thing for me. Um, right now they're both, they really enjoy the first for William. Like they love when, you know, he laughs or when he rolled over the first time or, you know, they find all that fascinating. <coughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, the best thing I can do is just sort of, is just to highlight um, the first that we we reach now, you know, and there's been plenty of that. Um, you know, John's first piano recital and Lexi's first gymnastics routine and things like that and to make, make a big deal out of those just as much as we do, you know, the baby's first, you know, time crawling or whatever. Although I'm not looking forward to that when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want me there. You know, my other two kids can't run away from me very fast. You know, it's, as blind persons, we don't really book it, you know? It's not really, can't just take off. I would imagine difficult. that would have its own level of uh, challenges. I did have one one kid who'd never learned to walk. He learned to run. <laughs> and we honestly had him evaluating because we thought he had a problem with his sight at that point because he would stand up, lean forward, and he took off into a dead run and usually would go headfirst into the corner instead of through the doorway he was shooting for. <laughs> Turns out he's just a kid who who lives life that way. 
but that's been part of our journey is just figuring out what these kids really need. And so you're on an interesting journey of understanding what kids need with a whole lot of special needs. But I say a whole lot. I guess all kids have their own their own level of special needs. But you've got some some really specific needs there that have got to be a challenge for you guys to get through. Have you found any great resources to help you guys realize where you can find help and where you can find success without having to stumble through it on your own? Uh, we definitely <clears throat> found a great resource in the, the you know, the, the Shriners um, hospital. They've been uh, really, really great with, with uh, John and his physical therapy um, even uh, resources like an adaptive bike that he can ride that has more um, support <clears throat> straps and things for his feet to be on the pedals, you know, things like that has been great. And, you know, we found um, just a lot of uh, different sites for ordering um, braille books, you know, which has been great for both the kids uh, to find those, those resources for them. Um, to work on on reading and just uh, enjoying learning how to read, you know, to read Braille to, to uh, really enjoy the stories and that type of thing. We've also uh, really, sorry, a lot of noise in the background there. That's okay. We, we, we're a, a podcast about kids and families. So while we do try and keep ours at a, at a low roar, we expect noise in the background. <laughs> I know. I just, you'd think after all these years, it would not be as distracting, but it still is to me. Um, but yeah, uh, Shriners is awesome. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, I would say that's the main one. And then um, for anyone, you know, as far as blindness is concerned, like there's a lot of sites where you can order Braille books and great um, Braille, like homeschooling materials other other methods for teaching braille and that type of thing too i've gotten a lot of information from the national federation of the blind they have a lot of resources and a lot of products um that we found useful with the homeschooling in particular have you guys been using the public school system or are you guys homeschooling no we we homeschool um and we pretty much have been doing that since the beginning, um, since Lexi came home about five years ago. Now. So I imagine COVID hasn't been a real big change for you guys. Not really. No, not in the schooling department anyway. Well, yes, there's that. The rest <laughs> of our lives have changed, haven't yeah. <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah, we have a, a couple of kids, a, uh, one middle schooler and one high schooler that are going to in-person school, but... Our two elementary school aged are staying home. They're doing virtual learning there, and it's it's added a certain level of challenges. But it sounds like you guys have already been doing the the homeschooling, so you kind of have that figured out already. I figured out. I mean, not to say that it's not difficult. I mean, they're like any kids. You know, most days they would rather be doing anything but school. Wait, your kids don't love it? I know it's amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be playing outside. Who would have thought? Uh, but, you know, it you do it one day at a time. And um, the thing I really have enjoyed about homeschooling is I can f- really kind of find a method that works. Like, for example, John can do 
crazy math in his head. You know, I just kind of discovered that as we were working with him and kind of teaching him, okay, well, let's kind of teach some basic math, you know, um, and finding out that he got that really quick. And so then we kind of moved on to, okay, instead of, um, you know, eight plus four, all right, let's try a two-digit number. So, you know, 18 plus four. Oh, he can do that pretty quick too. Okay, so then we um, three-digit, you know, plus or minus a one-digit number. And, you know, he was, was getting that. And so then we moved on to multiplication. And he can, he can do like a three-digit number times a one-digit number. So like five times 215. He can do, do in his head. And a lot of times I have to write it down. <laughs> you know, I have to work it out before I have him do it. But so Lexi, you know, our daughter, um, I had started to kind of work with her in the same, in the same way with math and it just was not going well. Um, <laughs> and finally realized, okay, it's okay. If she doesn't learn that way, I'm homeschooling. I can find a different approach for her. And, uh, so we ended up doing, uh, getting a, um, a magnet board because she doesn't know braille numbers yet we're still working on the alphabet <laughs> and basic reading in braille um but she knows print numbers you know the raised embossed um numbers and so we got magnets and once she could see the problem in front of her like that and actually feel each number and you know it went much better and so that's one of the things i really enjoy about homeschooling is that i can really kind of try and as best I can meet them where they are and find a resource that works for them. Uh, well, you know, I, I think we get tied up a lot on what certain kids cannot do, especially when it comes to special needs. But it sounds like, you know, John has proven that some of the things that he can do are more important than the things that they can't. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and we, you know, we discovered his, his gift for music when he came home, you know, I had just told him the names of the notes on the piano. And then he we discovered really quick that he has perfect pitch and not just uh, limited to instruments. Like if our smoke alarm goes off, you know, if I burned something in the oven or whatever, he's like, Oh, that's, that's no G like <laughs> you're a car horn. <laughs> Or whatever, like, or, you know, we're tapping on our soda cans. We, we love soda. I don't know if you've picked up on that. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like, oh, that's, you know, C or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, we got him into piano and he's done really well. Um, and yeah, so it's just awesome to find those things <clears throat> that, that they can excel at and to give them that chance. And of course, to push them on the things that they don't want to learn. Um <laughs> Because, you know, reading in my daughter's case is pretty vital to life. And, um, you know, for John right now, science has been difficult. Um, but, you know, learning about the human anatomy and kind of how our bodies work is pretty important to know and useful. So, you know, working through the, the things that are harder. But, yeah, it's awesome to find those areas that they excel in. And I'm just grateful that, you know, that they have the chance to to discover those things um, because I, I doubt highly doubt if John had stayed in Bulgaria that he would have ever, anyone had would have ever known that he was, uh, could be amazing at piano. And yeah, just, you know, if anyone listening is, you know, considered adoption, like, but is on the fence, I would really just encourage you to, 
um, to to uh, to do it as hard as it is. Um, and uh, something that has always stuck with me is when we went to visit John in his orphanage, there were <clears throat> so many other um, other residents there, and um, you know they all had various um, you know. Uh, needs and, and, and special needs. And, and they were all like very thin and looked malnourished. And we found out that John was actually the only child in the orphanage. All the others, they looked like children. They were shorter and thinner and, and they were actually adults like in their twenties who just had never um, been able to get out, had nowhere else to be. Um, and so um, just malnutrition and probably lack of simulation, you know, had really stunted them. And it just broke my heart, like to see these, these, uh, adults in that situation. And yeah, I mean, there's just so many kids, um, here and, and overseas who, you know, desperately need families to be able to have that chance to, to learn, you know, what they can excel at and who they can become. If you get on Facebook or social media and you talk about things like adoption or international adoption, all the wisdom of the masses comes out because that's what Facebook is, right? The wisdom of the masses. <laughs> and there'll always be somebody who will say something like, well, why would you want to go overseas to adopt kids when there's so many kids here in America who need it? What pulled you guys' heart towards a foreign nation like that? Um. The and I need to be. I want to um, phrase this well, and I hope people will will understand me um, correctly and you know accurately. A, I'm going to go with blindness because that is you know what we originally um, you know we're we're leaning towards um, when we started looking you know, when the when our friends gave us that idea, you know that hey you should really think about adopting blind kids because chances are they probably wouldn't be adopted. Um, overseas um, by their own countrymen and from what we found that's true and um, having spoken with um, good friends from Bulgaria you know who have told us that um, most likely the the kids would have ended up on the street or um, just living out their adult lives in an orphanage um, with minimal food and minimal interaction um, in you know in America, um, a, a blind child or a child with other, you know, uh, needs has access to uh, substantial uh, resources and um, agencies and programs and supports that just aren't available in so many of these countries. And um, we just felt like we, you know, wanted to try and um give the give our kids that chance you know to to have access to all of these things that we can so easily take for granted and uh and that's not to say by any means that a child who ages out of foster care here has it easy i'm not at all saying that um there's a lot of difficulties in that regard but it's still a can be um, a better better life than what would have been in uh, a country where there just aren't any of the resources and programs and the technology 
And generally here, the attitude about blindness is better um, than it would be overseas. Uh, like when we went to um, bring, we brought Lexi home. Um, she was two and a half and not walking. And there was nothing wrong with her legs. It was just um, kind of an assumption that was made that, you know, walking was going to be hard for her because she was blind. And so nobody ever taught her. Um, so, you know, it was not out of any um, disrespect or shrugging off the difficulty that um, children in the U.S. foster care system face, but it was just sort of a, a desire to help kids get out of, um, in a, you know, what could be a very dire situation as they got older. Well, we talked about your faith a little bit earlier. And it sounds to me like you guys are really being the hands and feet of God wherever you find the need. I'm trying to be. Um, that's, you know, <laughs> that's no small thing and no uh, no simple thing either. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, we've been so blessed um, and just trying to to do what we can to um, to live out our faith and not because we have to, um, but you know, because it's, you know, the right thing to do. And, um, yeah, we're just happy to give, give, you know, give our kids a home and however uh, <laughs> crazy and ridiculous as it might be on certain days, <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think, you know, it's, um, it's better than the alternatives for sure. I hear you there. I hear you there. Crazy and ridiculous does not mean bad. Nope. <laughs> it means you guys are really stretching out and doing some, some work that needs to be done and helping kids who needed help. And that is something that you and your husband should be commended for because most of us, even though people say things like there's a special place in heaven for people like you, you know, people like, you know, people who are in foster care, that's, you know, the people who are doing it right. There's a special place. God, you know, God knows there has to be somewhere special for you. And I'm like, ah, no, not really. If you really knew me, <laughs> the special place is, is probably not a good one, but you know, you, what you guys are, are really doing is stepping out and doing the right thing, as you said, in a place even when it's really hard to do and that that is something that should be commended and we want to thank you guys for sharing your story of doing the right thing in hard places oh we really i appreciate the opportunity and i i just love being able to tell kind of my kids adoption stories and um you know i hope it can be an encouragement to someone um you know anyone who's considering it um it is hard i'm not gonna sugarcoat it but these kids matter. Like these kids are worth it being difficult um, for us. Um, they matter. They matter more than, you know, my, my comfort or my ease of life. And, you know, and I have to remind myself of that every day. Sometimes they're going to be a lot of hard days, but you know, these kids are worth it. And to give them a chance at family and dignity and, um, yeah, just all the things that we can so easily take for granted. And, you know, there's no one better, you know, <laughs> method of adoption. It's not like, oh, you went the international route. Oh, you, that's like the, you know, premium way to adopt. Like, you know, it's so, <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, you know, eh, whatever form 
someone chose to do is is so needed and so so uh so important well i couldn't agree with any of that more i want to thank you for coming on here and telling your story with lexi and john and well let's not leave out william as well (laughs) and i guess we'll let luke and have some credit too even though he's not here with us today because somebody felt like they had to watch the baby you know i mean watching kids i mean who needs to do that I'll be honest. I trust a six month old way more than I trust a five year old, (laughs) especially in our house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. You just never know what they're going to be up to. They have very true. Every five year old we've had has surprised me in one way or another. (laughs) (laughs) But absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story and putting it out there because people need to know that, there are no perfect parents. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. And just because we have an imperfection does not mean that we can't take care of our children. I'm going to get my feelings hurt if she keeps saying I'm not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But again, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your courageousness with us. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you guys for doing this, this um, kind of a podcast. It's so awesome to see. And, um, yeah, I, I'm grateful for you guys being out there and, and sharing adoption and foster care stories because it's so important. It is very important. And we just we just want to show the world that, you know, like I said, there are no perfect parents. Absolutely. But have a wonderful day. And it was great talking with you. Same here. Ashley has a story that hopefully has inspired you and encouraged you to help people who need it wherever you can. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always find us on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash foster care UJ. And as always, 